Now we get up close on North Korea's true intentions. As briefly mentioned before, Professor Chung Huang of Hanguk University Foreign Studies Law School is here in the studio. Good morning. Good morning, Alex. So, uh, we've had a whole load said in the last few days about North Korea, yet more upon the mountain of comments previously stated. And I've often said, North Korea analysis, anyone can do it because sure. no one really knows. Yeah, and I guess the reason that I picked this particular topic again for today is that one name actually jumped out in the whole jumble of commentaries out there. The name is Christopher Hill. As you probably know, he was a uh, former uh, amb- U.S. ambassador to South Korea as well as the main U.S. negotiator yeah. for the six-party talks w- until that br- uh, talk broke down in 2009. So, um, if, And we've had him several times on the show, actually. Yeah, so I mean, you know, if anybody knows about you know having diplomatic talks with North Korea, Christopher Hill will be, you know, very talkative of anyone's list, basically. Mm. And he's recently wrote an op-ed column for a website called Project Syndicate, which really caught my eyes. Basically, his main point was that, look... North Korea is far more aggressive than many people give them credit for. Their nuclear uh, program is a lot more offensive in nature. What they want to do is break up South Korea-U.S. alliance and basically invade South Korea. And I found that very troubling, basically. My own uh, penny's worth, Professor Huang, over the years of living here has been that North Korea is not like those 20th century regimes that wanted to invade other countries and colonize, but rather has its idea of of maintaining what it has and keeping the rest of the world at arm's length and that it would be suicidal to, to try any sort of attack on any foreign power. So that flies in the face with what Christopher Hill is suggesting. Well, I'm not sure that Christopher Hill is wrong per se in the, uh, I mean, uh, in the con- uh, in the content of what he's saying. But I guess what he fails to give is the context. I mean, North Korea has surely shown its aggressiveness. For example, if you look at historical archives, you know, back in uh, 1965, you know, 12 years after the for, uh, the first Korean War ended or uh, ended in armistice, the Kim Il Sung was actually talking with Mao Zedong about invading South Korea again. So you know, North Korea had clearly had aggressive intentions, you know, many years ago when North Korea thought that they had sort of upper hand against South Korea. Mm. Now, you know, you, you look at North Korea, you know, impoverished nation, half the population of South Korea, you know, if you look at, you know, North Korean military, their male, the adult males are f- f- quite a few inches uh, shorter than uh, South Korean adults. You know, South Korea has had, you know, great economic success known as a, uh, one of the East Asian miracles. So, if you just look at the object facts about, you know, the relative strengths of North Korea versus uh, South Korea, not to mention the U.S. alliance on top of that, I think, you know, you do have to give the credit to the alliance that it does have the overwhelming force to deter North Korea. It is not like, you know, 1965 where North Korea could, you know, count on China and Soviet Union to actually aid in its, you know, whatever ambitions that it probably still has. Yeah, well, what these days, I, I guess there's some uncertainty as to what China or the Soviet Union, uh, now Russia, would uh, actually do. Yeah, I mean, you know, like aiding in their invasion in North Korea's invasion of South Korea seems very, very unlikely. You know, I mean, global geopolitics is not like 1965, and so basically we have to assume that North Korea now, in its all its craziness, is just willing to invade South Korea even with the nuclear weapons on its own, without Ch- Chinese or Soviet Union allies. So you know, it is a fair, fairly far-fetched idea. 
But it's also the cornered animal uh, idea. No matter how weakened or small they might be compared with the might of South Korea and the US, if if you put Kim Jong-un or any North Korean leader in a place where they've got nothing else to lose, it's, it's not a position I'd want to be too close to, frankly. Exactly, and we're pretty close to it. We're basically within artillery range of you know, 12,000 pieces that North Koreans have. So you know, any, everybody who lives in Seoul should feel somewhat, you know, a little concerned at least. And you know, comments like, you know, a recent comment by U.S. Senator Lindsey Graham concerns someone like me living in Seoul very much. You know, what Lindsey Graham said was that basically his four preemptive strike against North Korea, he literally says that it will be a terrible war for the Korean Peninsula, but it's better to have the war take place in Korea rather than North Korea attack United States. And that really assumes the fact that North Korea will actually use nuclear weapon against United States you know, in the yeah. continental US. And I think that kind of fear-mongering is really not helpful at all. Well, let's draw up a, a theoretical scenario that's perhaps not very likely at all, especially not with uh, President Moon Jae-in in the US right now strengthening mm-hmm. the alliance. But if if you know the America first idea was to go to a, a, an extreme where you have more people of that Senator Graham viewpoint, yep. <laughs> not considering the welfare of South Korea, and if you had South Korea somehow left alone, then actually we're not all that strong at all. We, yes, we might be a few inches taller. We might uh, have a better diet and more access to uh, the, the the luxuries of a capitalist society, but. We've been completely handicapped with uh, our own defenses. Well, yeah, I mean, the South Korean military without the U.S. military will be a lot weaker than it is now. Weaker than North Korea, you'd have to say. Well, I mean, that's what... I'm not really sure if that's objectively fair. I I, I mean, let's let's just break that down a little bit. Maybe not weaker when we're talking about uh, an air force or or when we're talking about individual troops, but when we're talking about, uh, yes, and Navy, but when we're talking about missile capabilities and tried and tested missile capabilities, nuclear power, those things are completely absent indigenously in Korea uh, above 800 kilometer range as far as a ballistic missile is concerned. That's right. South Korea doesn't have nuclear or nuclear weapons. So if you know, uh, US actually withdraws its military alliance and says, hey, we're not even going to provide nuclear, nuclear um, umbrella, I suppose you, know, you could think about South Korea being nakedly exposed to North Korea. And I think that's a scenario where South Korea will actually say, well, I guess we need to develop our own nuclear weapons yeah. and have a deterrence. And I think if that unlikely scenario of alliance breaking down happens, I think, you know, South Korea arming itself with nuclear weapons is a real possibility. But but in that interim period, because these things don't happen overnight, uh, you might suddenly have that thought occurring to North Korea again that uh, you, you just mentioned before. Exactly, and that's why we need to really you know, stay f- as far away as possible from those options and those thoughts occurring to all players involved. You know, we don't want you know the, the military decision makers either in South Korea or United States really thinking seriously, realistically about preemptive strike, and we don't want or about breaking the alliance. Or we don't want North Korean decision makers feel so you know cornered that they feel forced to use nuclear weapons. I guess you know one thing to point out is that in the past, until I guess in the last few months. 
Koreans. It's always been the United States that has been pulling South Korea back from striking out against North Korea, against North Korean provocations. It happened in 1983 when North Korea, you know, killed you know, almost entire cabinet of South Korea in uh, Burma, Rangoon, Burma. And it was happening in 2010 when they, uh, you know, shelled Yonpyeong Island. It, you know, if, when the records later showed is that, you know, U.S. government tried its best to basically tell, tell South Korea to stand down. Yeah. And now... Well, the, if that happened now, you can imagine what would have happened. I mean, now it seems the position is reversed. Is that the preemptive strike, call for preemptive strike is a lot higher in the U.S. than South Korea is. And now South Korea is in the, in the position to p- try to pull back U.S. Yeah. public sentiment. Well, honestly, if, if that happened, something of that Yonpyeong Island type nature again under this... Donald Trump administration in the United States. Well, I think I think then we'd all be thinking very seriously about our own personal options in, in, in as many hours as we'd have available. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, how, mu- how much time will we have? I guess yeah. that would be my but, concern. But, but luckily, these are kind of theoretical scenarios that are, that are unlikely, and we certainly don't want to be alarmist. It's important in the context of what Christopher Hill said, though, to, to go to that extreme. My problem with this the status quo is much more likely and the problem with the status quo is we're talking about thousands of North Koreans living through uh, what people describe as a humanitarian disaster and and again for selfish reasons not enough US senators are talking about that some are but not all yeah, I mean, just as you know, is, there's is really no good option about the North Korean nuclear uh, nu- uh, nuclear weapons. There's really no good option about new North Korean humanitarian uh, disaster as well. I mean, basically, we need a regime change in North Korea, and you know that will actually solve solve a, a lot of problems, but at the same time, create new ones. So you know, you know, again, this is a solution with very bad options. Yeah. But still, I think this you know fear mongering talks that will you know. Be, keep people thinking about preemptive strike is not very productive. The problem is potential leaders of North Korea can sometimes be greeted with a VX nerve agent or something of that nature. So regime change doesn't look particularly likely either in the near future. Thank you. I mean, it's the never-ending discussion, but it's important to keep talking, uh, if nothing else. Thank That's you right. uh, for joining us today, Professor Huang. Thank you. Jung um, Huang, out of Hanguk University of Foreign studies law school taking us through up close today as we do on a friday morning to get you into your weekend but stay with us because the show goes on careerscape and kardashian coming up next after your news headlines this morning we'll be back next monday at 705